The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Development, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. Social purpose is emerging as an important and necessary part of business. What is social purpose, you ask? Drew Collier, the president and CEO of LGM Financial Services, says social purpose is the reason to be in business. It's not just a nice-to-have policy. It is the company's reason for being, its social ambition, and it is the path to profitability. It is, in the words of Simon Sinek, the why we do what we do versus the what we do. In 2022, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, the largest investment firm in the world, in his letter to CEOs said, your company's purpose is its North Star. Putting your company's purpose at the foundation of your relationships with stakeholders is critical to long-term success. Employees need to understand and connect with your purpose as well, and when they do, they can be your staunchest advocates. The focus of purpose is a move beyond corporate social responsibility, which was focused on doing good things because, well, they were good. Social purpose, Collier says, is a guidepost that informs products, services, the company's goals and strategies. I invited Drew Collier to join me for a conversation that matters about a new way of doing business, doing it with an objective of contributing to a better world. Drew, welcome. Thanks, Stuart. Great to be here. Is this an idealistic view or is it possible? I wouldn't, so I'm not an idealist. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a pragmatist, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I recognize that you know, business has got to run businesses. We've got to employ people. We've got to serve customers and all that. Um, where I think this goes, though, is it, it's, a, it's a broader worldview than just that definition of what a business is for. I think it recognizes our communities. It recognizes how, you know, who we're serving, uh, broader stakeholders, things like that. And so uh, I don't think it's idealist. I think it's, uh, I think it's a practical uh, evolution of how we see businesses need to run. And uh, I, I think we've certainly seen some really great examples of that um, you know, at LGM, but also in other organizations I've worked with over the years as well. Can you give me a couple of examples that you sort of go, look, at th these are companies that are setting a standard that others can aspire to match. Yeah. Well, I mean, th there's the really well-known ones that, you know, the Patagonias of the world and Van City locally. Like, there's some really great brands that do a really great job of this locally. And um, I think there's certain industries that are further ahead. Um, the industry that I'm in, in terms of uh, working with the automotive industry, I would say is not that far ahead. <laughs> We've got some, we'll probably talk a bit more about that later. Um, but yeah, there's some really great companies who've done some amazing work on this. And I, I'm, by, you know, I'm by no means the, the trailblazer or the leader in this space. There's way smarter people that know this stuff and have lived this their entire career. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm sort of applying parts of it to, to our business that makes sense that allow us to serve our customers better, to engage our employees better, to be more innovative in the way we think about how we go to business. And those have real practical, tangible benefits to running a business. So often I hear people talk about these uh, programs or ideas in theory, but you're actually putting it into practice. What would be one example of how this social purpose has helped yeah. you to shape the product mix that you offer? Well, one example is a product that we've recently launched. It's not actually in BC yet. It's only uh, running out of Ontario. 
uh, for uh, compliance reasons at the moment, and just in the initial place for us to launch. And it's a product called GuardTree, uh, GuardTree.ca. What it, so what it is, is basically we're in the extended warranty business, and most of our business we partner with brands like uh, you know, a lot of the major brands, Kia, BMW, and others. And that part's great, but we've always recognized there is an opportunity um, for consumers who aren't buying a vehicle. Like a third of customers don't buy a vehicle from a dealership. They buy it privately. Right. They have no access to this product. And so we created GuardTree to allow access to that product. But we didn't stop there. We went a little bit further. We said, well, these are all going to be internal combustion engine cars. There's not going to be a lot of EVs sold on the aftermarket yet. Um, what if we were to attach to the price of that policy, and it's a monthly pay policy for, for, a, um, uh, for an extended warranty, what if we included a carbon offset? And so now we've got a, a mechanism for somebody buying a product that for good, valuable reasons, but you're also adding in a carbon offset on that product that makes that internal combustion engine you know, more carbon friendly or more, uh, more carbon neutral. We can't quite perfect the, you know, the full offset on it because we don't know how much they're driving yet. Um, but that's part of the concept on that product. It's still pretty new, um, but it's one example. We've tried to bring it to our product design. So I have a couple of questions about this. Yeah. Uh, are, are you filling a gap that existed in the marketplace? Because as you say, there's so many people who buy you know, uh, aftermarket vehicles and they have no warranty or access to an extended warranty. Yeah. Is that part of the social purpose because you're giving people a product that they can't otherwise easily access? Or is it the add-on of having the carbon uh, uh, offset? I hadn't thought about it from the first perspective, but you, know, you bring up an interesting point. Like consumers in that category didn't have access to those products that easily, so we probably are. That wasn't our main thinking, though, from a social purpose perspective. We, we identified a market need and an opportunity, just a pragmatic business opportunity. But then we also looked at it and said, how can we do this in you know, recognizing you know, our social purpose, which is around accelerating responsible mobility, how can we bring that lens to it? How can we add that element to that product? And that's part of what we try to do at LGM and everything that we're doing is we'll ask that question of like, how does this apply to responsible mobility, which is what we're, you know, our, our purpose and what we're trying to do and working with our partners or working with our own products. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Developments, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. So what was the uh, process of developing the product the way that it is with the carbon offset? Um, what do you do internally as a company to bring forward those kinds of ideas? Because, you know, as I pointed out in the, in the introduction, if you can have your employees buy into what your purpose is, they become staunch uh, advocates and allies around yeah. uh, you know, what the company is setting yeah. to achieve. Absolutely, I think that's a big part of it is engaging our employees in the process of the, de of the design and asking that question. And it, it does a few things. One, uh, you touched on a really important component, which is sort of the, I think if there was, um, there's sort of five whys in my mind, there's, there's five reasons why we do social purpose. One of them is the employee experience. And there's some good data out now, like there wasn't originally when we started, but it's starting to emerge and show that I think some of the stats are like uh, employees are 70% more engaged in the company they work for if they get an opportunity to do things that are more than just make the company money. If they're working on a broader purpose, engagement 70% higher, 40% um, more likely to stay with that company as well. Um, and so there's some good reasons there for engaging your employees in these things that have good financial benefits to businesses as well. Well, yeah, lower turnover rate. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how then do you go through that product development process? What does it look like? Because, I, you know, anybody could say, well, yeah, I, in theory, I yeah. get it, but how do I do it? Yeah. I don't think it's that unlike any of the other um, 
you know, we have a product development cycle that are, we have a series of product managers that will lead that. Uh, we've been individual leading this. Um, uh, Gapreet, and he's fantastic at it. And you know, the process that you go through is not unlike any other product, um, but you bring that additional lens to it in terms of like, how will, the, and ask that question, how will this contribute to the social purpose that we have? You still got to create a product that is compliant, um, that you know, hits the, you know, we have an actuarial team that has to price it. All of those elements still have to be baked in, but then there's also an element of like, what are we doing here that makes it part of our social purpose so that it is also that achieving that, that, that overarching objective that we have for the organization. So, you know, sometimes uh, we'll go to a, a company that will say, oh, well, we're supporting this uh, organization or that not-for-profit. Yeah. How would you like to contribute some extra money? And, I, and there are times when I look at it and I go, okay, so you're taking extra money from me from what I'm already paying you. You're putting it into a pot and then you're claiming the, uh, look at how wonderful we are. Mm. We gave all this money to this organization. Yeah. Thanks to our customers, of course. Yeah. You're not talking about that kind of no, we've done uh, that. program. We've done that in the past. Yeah. We've had programs like that where we took $2 from every product that was sold and, and contributed to you know, Canadian Cancer. Those, those programs work well, and I think those, those, there's nothing wrong with those. But they're, uh, okay, they're, but can I ask for a little yeah. bit of clarification? You weren't asking for an extra $2 on top of what you were charging. No, you were taking it design. out. It's, yeah, it's yeah. baked into the design. Which I think is, it speaks more to, um, you know, we've developed a, a pricing structure that allows us to meet these objectives, but then also to meet uh, mm -hmm. other, uh, you know, elements of uh, social responsibility. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of core to building the product from the ground up, yeah. So this is really quite contrary to what many of us who kind of grew up over the last 40 or 50 years. Um, I remember when I was in, uh, in, in school taking an economics course and was told that the uh, GM, uh, uh, General Motors CEO, said the reason that we're in business is not to build cars, it's to make money. Yeah. And you're saying that's outdated thinking. I think so, yeah. I think, and it's not a alternative to making money. I think that there's nothing wrong with making money. We have to create sustainable businesses that can be here for the long run. But I think there's a broader view that you can, that businesses can and should take around uh, why, they're, why they're in existence. You know, yes, we're also a community uh, with employees that we're trying to serve and help them create opportunities for their career. Um, we're also a broader ecosystem of our customers. And so what do we do to engage our customers in that social purpose? Um, we've got lots of examples that we do that with, with some of our OEM partners as well. Um, so I think it is, it's taking a broader view than just that economic view of we're here to make money at, and, and often I think to put a negative spin on what you said, Stuart, and, and would be sometimes it's done at, at, at any cost. Oh, right. Um, and so, you know, to heck with the environment, to heck with the community, we're going to focus on just making money until someone tells us we can't anymore and then we'll, we'll find money elsewhere. And that's what I'm, I think we're seeing is a shift from companies that had that old philosophy to saying, no, you know what? If we're going to um, benefit from you know, a successful community, what do we do to give back to the community to, to ensure it continues to be successful? Whether that community be you know, our industry, in the case of LGM, where we're working with dealers, we're working with OEMs, or whether it be uh, you know, a, a banned city serving the local community and, and helping people with financial matters. So what I think is important about this is I've talked to a number of people who are early stages of their career right now, and in casual conversation, they'll start to say, well, I think that capitalism has failed, that it's not a good way to go forward. And they don't really want to get behind companies that are, are driven to just 
just towards a profit yeah. motive because they don't think that they're doing the right things. And then they point to the environment and they point yeah. to the housing crisis and everything else. And they want to point the finger at uh capitalism. Yeah. But what you're saying is, no, don't throw it all out. Uh, let's embrace a new spirit of capitalism that says, okay, how do we work together to solve problems? Absolutely. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there is an element there where I think consumers, and we're seeing this in certain industries more than others, I, I wish my customers uh, cared more about our social purpose. Um, there are some that, that do in certain sectors, you know, consumer goods, I think has evolved a lot. You see the you know, Whole Foods has a ton of products you walk in now and, and you can see it right out of the gate. Um, there are some consumers that are prepared to direct their purchases towards companies that care. Um, so that's another factor in terms of why social purpose. There's the employee and there's also that factor and there's the do, do the right thing is still there too. Mm -hmm. but, um, but that is for sure a factor. Um, it hasn't evolved yet in every industry and I think, it, I think it's still coming. I think we're still, uh, we're still getting there. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Developments, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. When we run up against the harsh reality of inflation, um, uh, we take a look at the fact that in Canada, um, based on OECD projections, per capita, um, you know, uh, increases are, are going to be negligible for the time being. How does social purpose help us navigate our way through what for some will be challenging times because they're not going to see their incomes increasing? Yeah. Uh, how does this help us say we're doing the right thing and collectively we're going to find uh, the answers that we need? Mm -hmm. That's a tough one, isn't yeah, it? There's, yeah, there's a few levels on that question, I think. Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll, I'll give, rather than a, an individual consumer perspective, I'll speak from a corporate perspective, because I think corporations have the same problem. When you're going through a tough time, um, how do you stay true to that? How do you, like, so I'll give you an example. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, when LGM first uh, coined this, we're going to be a social purpose company and, and laid out, like, our, our purpose is accelerating responsible mobility. It was all good times. We were making a lot of money. We were happy and, and everything was fantastic. And, like, all this stuff sounds great, right? Um, along comes a, a couple of events that happened in our industry. And also then, of course, we know the pandemic. Um, vehicle production went down to 20%. Uh, sorry, sales went down to 20%. And we were hit really, really hard. We had to move to a three-day work week. Um, wow. Had to do make a lot of concessions and changes. Had to reduce our headcount. So we went through the tough stuff. But th the question is, is, and we ask this constantly of, of each other and our leadership team, are we doing it in a way that is consistent with who we are, our values, but also our social purpose? And mm -hmm. we took what was responsible mobility and kind of put the emphasis on responsible and said, are we doing it in a responsible way? And it became a little bit of a, an internal kind of language we used. Um, so we, we had to part ways with some staff, for example, and our HR team followed up with them every month until they got another job and just kept checking in with them. How are you doing? Can we do anything else for you? What else can we do to help? You know. That kind of thing, which is a little bit unique. And I think it, it paid um, dividends back in terms of the employee experience that we had. And some of them actually, even when, when times turned around, have actually come back to the organization and uh, makes a difference. How hard was it at times to work your way, dance your way, I'm sure, yeah. through those very challenging uh, and uncertain days? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Any business leader who's been through a downturn uh, had to go through layoffs, had to, to really try to keep the company surviving, it's not easy to do. Um, and then to add on top of that, the layer of like, are we going to compromise who we are and our values um, it makes it a little bit harder. Because sometimes there's easy things you can do where 
you know, you wouldn't, I think the challenge is, and, you know, we had some conversations like this, which is, okay, when all is said and done and this thing blows over and we're, and we're, we're good again, how are we going to feel about how we handled it? Mm-hmm. Are we going to hold our heads high and be able to say we, we are who we are and we're still that organization? Or will we have compromised everything that was important to us? And we yeah. decided we wanted to continue to be who we were. It wasn't easy to do though. Mm-hmm. You remind me of a saying from a fellow by the name of Dan Alisic, who I play tennis with. He says, you can say these are my values, but until it costs you something, mm-hmm. it's just words. Yep. And so this is where uh, the commitment to what you say is your social purpose really comes in to a full view. Do you actually live by those? And that's when you say, yeah, this is my value. Yeah, those are the examples that matter because that's the true test. So the next part of it, and you sort of talked about this, is customers aren't always paying attention to that saying, Oh, good for you. I'm yeah. going to make sure they're still looking for, well, what's, what's the best deal for me? What yeah. role do we as consumers play if this is the kind of uh, world that we want corporations and companies to live in? Do we have a role as consumers as well? Because let's not just point the, the finger at business. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think you're seeing um, a movement happening on that where consumers are starting to ask, like, what's behind this product? Where are you sourcing your, your goods? What is your... You know, and, and there's a lot of companies. Um, we're not there yet. We're still on our evolution at LGM, but they're being very transparent about everything they do you know, complete management of their supply chain and making and putting it out on their website and, and being very transparent with consumers. I think that's a great, great movement to go towards. And I think the more consumers start to ask and want to know, the more the companies are going to be needing to do that. Um, we're working towards being able to do more of that. We're not quite there yet, but we've got a plan for that. That's sort of what's next for us. Okay, let me rephrase that yeah. a little bit. I'm saying, don't I, as a consumer, also have a responsibility yeah. that when I say, well, those are the values that are important to me, that when it gets down to crunch time, do I live those values as well? Mm-hmm. Because if we want companies to live that way, yeah. do we as consumers not also have to do the same? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think you do. It's hard because everyone, every individual has different values, right? And so you, you, that, that's complex and can go yeah, a lot of places with is. that, right? But I think you're right. I think consumers do need to start to ask the question of, okay, I'm going to save five bucks by going this route, or I can buy a product that's more responsible here, and it's going to cost me a little bit, but, but is the marginal difference um, you know, contributing to that broader worldview of, uh, of something that's more sustainable uh, and a better outcome? And I, I get it. Like, you know, we've all got budgets to manage. We've got to figure out what's right and what's not for us. Um, so it's not an easy thing to do, but I think we're seeing a movement there where people are more and more asking for that. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Developments, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. So I also think though as a customer, uh, if I have developed a good relationship with a company, and yes, maybe I'm getting pinched a little bit and oh, there might be a, a less expensive alternative that isn't uh, living up to the standards yeah. that had attracted me to that company in the first place, I have responsibility to go back to that company to say, uh, I came to you for a reason and I'm yeah. gonna continue to support you. And if we work together this way, th- then there can be a, a much better collective. Mm-hmm. I'm sounding like the idealist here. <laughs> but, but I think that yeah. this is what I think, you know, we can't just expect corporations to be the only yeah. ones. You know, we all live in this world together. And so if we yeah. want it from companies, we also have to be that way ourselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think you see it, it's different in different spaces. You know, I worked for many years in financial services. Um, and, uh, you know, in the early days, it was a screening. You know, I worked closely with ethical funds. And so we would screen certain companies out and you wouldn't invest in those companies. And then it, mo- it started to migrate and move now towards a more activist movement where it's like, okay, you don't have to cut them off your list. Could you work with them and have them change their behavior, change the way they're doing things? And that's been interesting to see that it's mm. a little bit like you don't think you kind of described in your opening remarks where it's the evolution of CSR. It's moved from, you know, corporate donations, then screening and now and then sort of positive you know, activism mm-hmm. in terms of can we change the world, um, you know, transparency and reporting. So there's a lot of elements to it. And I think social purpose is more the just the latest word that we're using to say it's a company that sort of is all in on all those things. Yeah. There was a bank that I had done some work with uh, uh, that really surprised me. They asked us to go and produce a video about the citizen scientists mm. that they supported within their own company. They had nothing to do with uh, being able to treat water, but w- the, the, the way we treated water was very important to them. And they started this whole citizen uh, scientist program that I believe ran across the country, and it was extraordinary. But was, what was most interesting to me is it didn't seem like it was doing anything to their bottom line, hmm. other than the fact that the employees who were engaged in this loved it and had a much stronger bond and loyalty to their employer. Yeah. Yeah, and again, that goes back to one of those one of those differentiators. One of the things that I I, I you know I, I, I geek out on a little bit maybe is <laughs> yeah. around the, the the strategy element of it. And so, how do you figure out how your social purpose also feeds your strategy? And so, like at LGM, for example, one of the things that we've tried to do is find opportunities to engage our partners, the OEMs, the brands that we work with, um, on topics um, related to driving responsible mobility. Because mm-hmm. like, let's face it, our industry is not the best corporate citizen. Sometimes, you know, we I, we're part of you know an industry that makes vehicles. Uh, they they have crashes and people get injured. Uh, they end up in landfills. The greenhouse gas emissions, all these things, are not the best things in terms of UN Sustainable Development Goals. They're they're not positives. That's for sure. So, what can we do to work with them and engage them to try to change things? So, we look for opportunities like that. It's they're not always easy to find. Um, they're not always open to working together. But, um, but certainly look for opportunities like that. We've had a few examples that have been interesting. Well, didn't projects. you have a maintenance program as well? Uh, where, like not just your extended warranty, but like here's a maintenance program. Yeah, we do that. We do and and, and is, program, is maintaining yeah. a vehicle not one way to help to reduce its environmental footprint? Yeah, and we're changing some of the products we have to really fit for electric vehicle use so that it makes it easier um, you know, to get into an EV and, and have those coverage as well. We've done things like uh, we had a, a green dealer program where we tried to get off the ground, didn't have a lot of success with that one. Um, probably a function of timing more than anything. We ran an auto dealers against distracted driving where we tried to get everybody to pledge not to drive distracted and that was, had some good success and it was fun. The one I love the most was um, we set up a, uh, uh, we worked with a company called HTech in North Vancouver. Um, they do the hydrogen uh, fuel oh, cells. Yeah. And so HTech, um, uh, there was a, a challenge. They had three automotive OEMs, uh, Hyundai, um, it was Hyundai, Toyota, and uh, Honda were, were wanting to bring hydrogen vehicles into BC uh, and into Canada more generally, um, but there was no fueling stations. And so it was right. like a bit of a chicken egg thing, like how are you going to do this? And, and so we brought Industry Canada, the OEMs together, HTech together, uh, and some of the universities, and we said, look, let's figure out how to do this. What do you need to do? And we put some seed money to help get it off the ground. The cool thing about that story, Stuart, was uh, it ended up building relationships with an OEM that we ended up getting business with. And so it kind of comes full circle. Like it, we went right. into that with no expectations other than like, cool, let's work with our partners and see what we could. No, they weren't even our partners. They were prospects at the time. Yeah. Work with them and see where it goes. 
Um, and then fortuitously, it ended up that we ended up picking them up as a customer at the end of it. So that's where I think you see some of the benefits of this coming together, that you can enter into these projects that are not about um, a contractual arrangement. It's more about how can we work together to better the industry? And then you come out of it with some, some good business. You know, Ronald Reagan uh, uh, said as one of his objectives when he became president was to take the focus off of just being a success and really celebrate people who just try. Mm -hmm. And he said, the people who put themselves out there, they try, and even if they fail, they launch a, uh, a dynamic or a series of responses that can bring about other changes that were unintended but can be great. Yeah. And this is what you're saying. See whether or not there's yeah. some way in which you can make a, make a difference. Yeah. And who knows what comes of it. Exactly. Yeah. And hydrogen is a great example because it blends perfectly with gasoline, diesel, um, and it reduces the carbon footprint, especially when it's green yeah. hydrogen, yeah. Uh, beautifully. Yep. Uh, you know, the vehicles run, run really well. So uh, yeah. hopefully uh, that still has legs and continue to grow for, go it forward. Is. I think we've got, uh, I've lost count, I think it's four or five now in, in BC, one in Quebec. And so they're, yeah, they're continuing to build that out. We're not actively part of that anymore. It's got its own legs and it's running, which is Fantastic. great to see. But it's a cool little story to say how we kind of were help getting something like this. And that's, as you say, that's one of the other benefits of saying, looking for those opportunities mm -hmm. that fit with your purpose. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're an ex interesting example for people to look to. And of course, this is, I'm fascinated by the topic because I think that we all have responsibility, um, you know, to contribute to the kind of community that we want to live in. Thank I you. I agree. Thank yeah. you, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. And please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a subscriber. And thank you to Autumn Brown, BD Developments, and Stem Cell Technologies for their support.